It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name's Mike Bernard. Thanks for being with us today. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, certified financial planners, Josh Gregory, and for the first time, Matt Hoke. Glad to have you, Matt. Well, it was a wild ride for investors in 2018, and now people are heading into 2019 with fresh concerns about what the stock market has in store for us next. On today's show, we'll be updating you on the current investment landscape and give you our perspective on what happened last year, as well as what investors need to know for the year to come. That's right. Tons of questions about this. Uh, you know, we're addressing it with clients as we as we see them, but it just seems like each day brings more questions about what's going on, why, where. And listen, we want to be a resource to you. Reach out to us, and uh, we'd love to answer your question, whether it's about your specific situation or something you we can air on the show, uh, just let us know. You can reach out to us a few different ways. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you find us online. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then Facebook, social media might be uh, another great way for you to submit questions. So Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, just search Wise Money Radio. You can subscribe to that stuff, like it, all that sort of thing. And you can just send in questions that way and connect with the show that way. So we're glad to have Matt Hoke with us today. Kevin is out at a at a seminar, but Matt's been one of the certified financial planners on the KFG team for, gosh, Matt, what's it been, 10, 10 years? 11. 11, 11 years. years. Sorry, yes. I didn't mean to insult. That's okay. Uh, and, but we're excited to have him on the program. He's, um, he's very involved in leadership at KFG, and he's part of the investment planning committee as well. Um, so glad to have him on the program. But... Instead of you know a formal introduction, we've just got the biggest topic on the agenda today. So we're going to dive right in. Let's talk about investing. And, and let me just try and phrase this question right. What the heck happened? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. That, that is almost exactly what one of my clients said to me just this past week. I had a conference call to uh, talk through last minute tax planning with them before uh, the the quarter ends or before fourth quarter. Um, And after we were done talking taxes and everything, uh, she asked the question or she made the comment, you know, I looked at my investments at the end of September and then I looked at them again at the end of the year. What happened? Yeah. Right? And uh, my first response was to applaud her for not watching too closely because it's been quite a roller coaster ride and she missed out on some of the drama but unfortunately she brought she got brought up to speed real quick by just taking a look at those year end statements because all of the ugliness that people have felt in their investments has happened uh, mostly here in the fourth quarter yeah it, i i don't have the stats right in front of me so so i apologize for that but this is one of the first years in decades where the us markets were positive for the for the first three quarters and ended the year negative. Um, I'm assuming if you pay attention to this sort of stuff at all, you know that 
This was the worst December since the Great Depression. And again, we're going to get into why. Wait, are we on the verge of a depression here? Why would this happen? And then, you know, just just to cap it all off, by far the worst Christmas Eve ever. I mean, I mean, more than doubled it. So if you were trying to relax and do the family thing uh, like I was, and you were watching what in the world was happening, uh, it wasn't. It didn't put you in the uh, holiday spirit. You know what the problem was? <laughs> I got my Christmas shopping done early this year. Oh, Josh, you're to blame. Normally, I'm out there spending the money on Christmas Eve, and they, they caught wind of it, I think. So it, the, the question really is, is this a correction or is this a bear market? A correction of a drop of 10%. Well, we hit that. We actually hit that earlier in 2018 as well. And those things happen with some regularity, and they bounce back quickly. Or is this a bear market where... We're going to surpass the 20% drop. We've gotten very close. The NASDAQ got there. And and then there could, could there be more carnage ahead? Usually, bear markets are tied to recessions. Not every time, but I believe five out of the last six have con- coincided with a recession. And so are we heading into a recession, or is this just an economic slowdown? Is this a bubble or something, um, you know, just some panic selling? Will it come back quickly? Is this high-frequency trading where it's just computer models now are just selling everything and p- moving the market around? Is it political or is it economic? These are all questions that people yeah. are asking themselves. Absolutely. Well, and uh, let's just kind of recap for a moment here exactly what has happened. Because uh, if you look back on 2018, Matt, one of the the themes or one of the words that came up a lot in our client conversations when we're reviewing investments is the word volatility. Absolutely. Very, very different than 2017, wasn't it? For um, sure. You know, when, when you look at volatility, that's what usually gets investors' attention. Uh, that's what kind of causes those panicky moments. Uh, I, I met someone just this past week who... Uh, literally has the Dow Jones updating on his Apple Watch Man, every I, moment. Well, I, I wondered that. if you have that, I, No, I got. I, I changed that in the summer, and I'm superstitious, so I probably <laughs> broke the market. Maybe you need yeah. to put it back on. That. So That's maybe right. I do. Th- this know. guy literally checks the market more often than he checks the time. Yeah, wow. Well. Mm-hmm. And his wife sitting next to him, you, you know, was all but pleading with me, you know, you've got to help him. You help him get over this, mm-hmm. right? But in a volatile market, it feels like you need to be tuning in more often. Maybe the response should be to be tuning in less often, actually. Absolutely. And a lot of that depends on um, your personality and kind of where you are in the cycle of needing your money. But if you don't need to be looking at it, it's probably better to not be looking at I, it. I think that's so why. the plan I, work. I, honestly, I, you know, we, we are, we're investors as well, of course. And so I feel, we feel your pain. This is real. It, it is real, right? Even if it's just a short-term overreaction, we don't know yet. No one knows. Um, but honestly, I'm not looking at my statements. This is normally the time of year when I recalibrate things. I'm not. I'm doing a rebalance. We're going to talk about this in just a minute. But mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to look at it because I don't really know if that's going to, if that's going to help me. But you know, the downside to turning a blind eye to the market or to your investments for three months or six months at a time is that there can be a lot of drama that happens in a short amount of time. And when you dial back in or you kind of refocus on what's happening, it can come as a shocker. Like the client I was referring to earlier, yeah. if you 
if you looked at your investments at the end of September, you were probably feeling okay about how things were going. It wasn't a spectacular year. Things were positive for most investors at that time. And since then, it's just been a steady decline down. As Mike uh, mentioned, some certain categories of investments actually hitting the negative 20% mark. Uh, which we call a bear market. So this is uh, this is an important time. If we were going to recap uh, some of the rates of return, you know, if we were going to look at the box scores at the end of the year here, the winner, the best performer last year, was cash. Yeah, it was your bank account, which it's been a long time since those have even felt like a contributor to the to the cause in any way. You're actually making money on your bank accounts again, though. Just a few. M- Months ago, you were thinking, I need to have, those are lazy dollars. I need to get money out of there and invest it, get it to work for me. But that was your best investment last year. That's right. So normally when we're thinking about how uh, the investment world has performed, we naturally go to large U.S. stocks. That's what everybody is paying attention to. Most people, unfortunately, focus on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, those 30 companies We prefer to give our attention to the 500 largest companies, which would be the S&P 500. It was down 4.4% this year. Yep. Yep. Again, turning negative just in the fourth quarter. But you should be diversified. And so I wouldn't have you looking at your statement saying, well, was I down 4% or, or, uh uh-oh, I was down more. That's a a problem. Because after cash, the S&P 500 was down 4, and that, that wasn't all bad. Small caps were down 11. Real estate, if you're diversified, was down four as well. International stocks. Here, let me just state this. The two best performers from 2017 were the two worst performers in 2018. International stocks down 13, emerging markets down 14. If you had commodities, you know, your gold and all that stuff, you were only down 11. Bonds came back, clawed back right at the end of the year. They got back to just about break even. But some longer term bonds, high yield bonds, those were negative for the first time in a long time. We're going to continue recapping what in the world happened last year, what your expectations should be moving forward, and really what you should be doing right now. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What happened in the investment world in the fourth quarter of 2018? What does that mean for you? What perspective should you have with your investments as we're looking at 2019? The volatility is still here. What do you do? That's what we're talking about today. I know it's on everyone's mind. We are focusing on that today. Thanks for being with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard here in the KFG studios with Josh Gregory and for the first time, certified financial planner, Matt Hoke. I want to say thank you to the, to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we've got some great questions coming up about the market. We've received some that we're just going to be addressing during the content today. But if you have questions, if we can help, if you have concerns, reach out. We'd love, we'd love to help, and we can talk about it on an upcoming show as well. So 574-222-2000. You can call or text us, 
888-222-2000. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right. And lastly, all over social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, just search Wise Money Radio. Once again, every show we record. So you want to be in the studio with us, just go to the YouTube channel and you can watch us right there. And you can submit questions there as well and connect with the show. All right, we just recapped the surprising yet boring stuff, which is, you know, the box scores. What did uh, what did the market actually return in 2018? And just quickly to recap, cash was your best investment. It's the only thing that was positive. Bonds, short-term bonds, clawed back to break even, but everything else was negative, and, um, and which is disappointing. Here's what also is challenging when you're looking at box scores is you should be diversified. We're, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but um, there's no way there's no way of knowing that this was going to happen, that it was going to be this bad. Um, many people had an inkling that, yeah, things are going to start getting choppy here. And I, I had that inkling too, but there's no way of knowing what was going to happen and, and how it was going to go. And so you should be diversified. If you're diversified though, and yes, large cap stocks were down four, but small caps were down 11. Usually small caps are you know, outperform large over long periods of time, international, emerging, real estate. I mean, if you have those components, you might be down 8% for last year, which is which is surprising, especially considering you were probably up five to six come the end of the third quarter. So th- I want to set your expectations that way so that you don't panic and freak out and, and make some uh, overcorrect um, changes. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, first negative year in a couple and nowhere close what we saw in 2008, but it's the worst year since 08, so. All right, the question is why? I started the, the show with what in the heck happened, but why, what were the themes? What really, what really drove it? What's the narrative? It seems like there are actually several uh, themes that affected the markets in 2018, but one of them that comes to mind right away is trade disputes with China and tariffs being imposed and kind of the impact that that has on businesses and the economy. And and consumers. I actually thought the markets did a pretty good job. We're pretty resilient handling the trade issues for most of the year I, because that was hanging around. It, you would say that contributed to the correction that we saw in February mm-hmm. for sure. But then things bounced back even though there was no real resolution. And ultimately, though, tariffs are a tax on consumers. Short term, they beat up profits for corporations. But guess what corporations do, those evil, greedy corporations? Raise prices. Raise prices. No, they're not evil and greedy. That's just how it works. And so ultimately, it's a tax on consumers. And when the economy is still 70% or more funded, driven by consumers, yeah, it's it's painful. Yeah, and there are often um, surprise... uh, you know, impacts, I guess, or, or consequences to some of these tariffs. You don't always know who the winners and losers are going to be. And so it's, it's interesting because every time um, a, a new trade renegotiation, a new tariff um, came out, the media's response was, we are in trade war. They, they kind of um, exaggerated some of the, the language that they were using. And it took a while for the markets to kind of um, digest what they were receiving. And so often uh, the the initial response was a negative one. And then, as you said, Mike, the markets would bounce back throughout the year. But this was a pattern throughout the year because every time a new 
uh, tariff went into effect or every time a new tariff was announced, there's another flashpoint that happened. Yeah. Uh, usually, again, the markets kind of shook it off, but it was a contributor to the volatility that was happening during 2018's market ride. In the fourth quarter, there were two themes with that, with the trade war not being resolved. There were two other themes that really emerged, and one of them really is what seemed to shake December and and really um, drive that big drop there. Economic Global economic slowdown, and then the one that really, really drove things south in December was Fed policy, interest rates, if you will. Yeah, and it, I, I think it's the combination of all of these things as well. Um, Matt, you're nodding your head in agreement there, but um, the, the interesting thing is that we, we've known all year long that the Fed was going to be raising interest rates. Their initial announcement way back in January is what caused all the fantastic momentum that was coming out of 2017 to screech to a halt and go sharply down because the market, you know, I, I've referred to it as the uh, Wall, Wall Street throwing a bit of a temper tantrum that uh, the low interest rate environment, that party may be over. And certainly the Fed has stuck to their guns throughout the year, steadily raising interest rates right on schedule as they had predicted. Yeah, I agree. It seems like a combination. The The markets seem to be able to deal with one or two of these themes pretty well on their own, but when a few of them stack up on top of each other is when it seemed like we really started to see the volatility and have the issues in the markets because it was just more uncertainty than the markets could really handle, and it gave us a lot of what happened in the fourth quarter. Part of the reason why uh, December... Uh, w was so negatively impacted by interest rates was because uh, we had uh, what we've referred to in, in the market as a flattening of the yield curve. Mm. And all that means is that interest rates have gotten kind of weird. Uh, it's not necessarily a natural environment right now where short-term interest rates are almost as high as long-term interest rates now because the Fed has been slowly raising the short end of interest rates. But uh, the, the overall markets determine uh, those longer rates. And when the, when, when the yield curve or when interest rates seem to be just steady across the board, no matter how long a loan you're giving to someone, the interest rate's roughly the same, it puts us in danger of uh, things getting unnatural and upside down. We, we call it an inverted yield curve, which is way too technical for a Saturday morning. But um, all that means, though, is... Uh, it, it's often a precursor to a recession. Mm -hmm. It almost always predicts a recession within, on average, about 14 months or so. And uh, so the markets have been watching this very closely. Is the, is the Fed going to accidentally throw us into a recession by raising interest rates too fast? That's what everybody is kind of um, calculating in their minds right now. Yep, and, and that is very close. One of the spreads... Um, actually did invert um, mid-December, and I think that threw people uh, uh, wild. And then the other is some of the Fed's statements and posturing. You know, the market's sort of looking and saying, hey, the economy's slowing, the global economy is slowing, and the Fed was really put into, uh, investors, I should say, we're in a lose-lose situation. You know, the Fed could have come out and said, all right, we're not going to raise rates. And my guess is that would have meant the market would have done well in the short term and then really terrible in the long term because that would have signaled, hey, Wall Street, you're right. Everything is slowing down. But they decided to raise rates 
and um, and now and kind of postured that they might put us at risk of inverting the yield curve, which again mm-hmm. is this sort of precursor. So. All of this is also coming on the heels of the election in November. Elections and government shutdown and yeah. very, very polarized politics. Exactly. And those polarized politics, we, we often kind of picture that as just uh, Congress headbutting in Washington, D.C., uh, sometimes with, uh, w- with the White House as well. But anytime you now have a mixed Congress moving forward, Gridlock is the potential outcome, and gridlock sometimes is a positive thing in Wall Street's eyes. Right now, though, when it comes in an environment where things have been positive and growth-oriented, gridlock is not a welcomed outcome. Yeah, it's sort of adding to the uncertainty. All of this, though, if if you if you've been listening, you might say, "Well, then now, so that's some of the why. That's some of the narrative. Now, what do I do? What do I do? What to expect for 2019? You've got that." And more coming up here on Wise Money with Core Horner on Wise Money. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are talking about all the stock market volatility, what will happen in 2018, what we're just about to get into. What should you be doing about it? This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG Studios, financial advisors, Josh Gregory and Matt Hoke. Thank you, Bethel College, Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thanks for your partnership. And once again, if you have any questions, there's just countless questions about what in the world is happening in the markets, why, what should I do about it, reach out to us. We'd love to help. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you find us online. You can call or text 574-222-2000, excuse me, 574-222-2000. And then online, or excuse me, social media, you can find us Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, just search Wise Money Radio. All right, so we are just addressing sort of the themes, the, the why. Why did this happen in 2018? As we as we got into 2019, I don't I don't think I was the only one thinking we'd wake up and the volatility would cease and everything would be calm and guess what? That didn't happen. So, we've got volatility again. We had none in 2017. It's tied for the least volatile year ever. Tons of volatility in 2018. Almost normal, a little bit more than normal. And it seems like that's happening again in 2019. What other themes is it just a continuation? I mean, nothing's really been resolved, right? Yeah, I, I think uh, most of what was happening in the fourth quarter is obviously spilling over into the next quarter. It, it is interesting because the Fed has, um, you know, they're always showing their, uh, their their playbook, what their plans are for raising interest rates. And uh, publicly, they've said there's a couple more interest rate um, hikes that they're going to be having this year. If you look at what the overall markets, what investors believe is going to happen, they think maybe one more raise and then backing off potentially. So interest rates, I think, are going to be an important theme, uh, at least in the first half of this year. Watching the Fed will be an important way for investors to have some kind of an idea of... um, uh, or an indicator of what's going on in the economy and therefore maybe how the stock market will react. I, I, I totally, totally agree. I, I, that's taking the themes, the concerns, and uncertainty from the fourth quarter and really 
um, specifically pointing to what's going to need to happen, what's going to drive the market in 2019. Um, you know, will the tariff stuff get figured out? That will drive the market as well. Will a s- economic slowdown turn into a recession? But that's coupled with what's the Fed going to do with interest rates? Um, Matt was saying right before we started the show that, well, there's some out there that are predicting the Fed's going to start lowering rates. That seems far-fetched at this point, but it's all speculation and guesses right now. Right. So, e- hmm. Even saying the words economic slowdown uh, may be puzzling to a lot of people because the economy has still been strong. I mean, the fourth quarter was a strong quarter for the overall economy. It's just that the pace that the economy is accelerating is slowing down, and that has to happen before we actually start falling and going into a recession. It kind of reminds me, I'm, I'm looking at Matt, who one of his daughters is a star cross-country runner. Yes. Um, I, I would never race against Reagan. Oh, I'd right? race Reagan right yeah. now. To, to the fridge or something? Right. Or what? <laughs> maybe in a 40-yard dash. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I remember my glory days back in... Uh, it wasn't elementary school. It was probably middle school. And I ran cross country for a year or two. And I remember our coach telling us, you know, cross country is different than track in that you're running through the woods, you're on different terrain. And we had a home course that had some hills in it. And he would he would tell us, as you're coming down a hill, you want to accelerate and sprint to the bottom because on the other side of that little valley is another hill and you want your momentum to carry you up, right? Well, your, your acceleration in that initial climb up the hill, eventually as you're trudging up the hill, you start slowing down, right? right? And eventually you crest the top and begin a descent again. That is kind of what's happening in the economy right now. We are slowing the pace that we're making our way up the hill. We're still in positive growth trajectory with the economy but we're just not making as much progress as fast up that next hill. So the question really is, did the, has the market now overreacted because it's just a slowdown and, and, and so on? It certainly feels like a crash, and yet you look around and there's no crash happening in the economy. So has the market over, um, over-adjusted, or is the economy, the, the slowdown, going to turn into a recession? And no one knows. And so, but, but here's the thing. What do you do about it? What, what should you do? I, I'm going to start with um, something I shared on, on Facebook a few weeks ago. First, you need to know who you are. And the way I see it and my experience, and, and maybe this is oversimplifying, maybe I've got it wrong, but you're either a trader, you're an investor, or you're a saver. And throughout your entire saving career, you need to know who you are and you need to stick with that. Traders, if you're a trader, you've been buying and selling every day, (laughs) maybe. And I've talked to some traders, they were triple inverse investing when things were going down, trying to get it right and make a whole bunch of money. And then they'd triple um, um, uh, index it when they thought it was going up. I mean, if that's you, you're a trader and you're buying and selling all the time. All right. Um, on the other end of that spectrum, if you're a saver, if you're a saver, you probably have very little in the market, and what you do have in the market, you're probably very afraid of. Um, I would look at your overall portfolio to say how much is really at risk here, and if you're a saver, likely you have a lot in the best performing asset class last year, which was cash. Okay, 
I want to talk to those of you that are investors, though. Investors, or I think, should be investors. or should be investors. You're likely very tempted right now to have identity crisis. Should I be a trader? Should I start trading everything? Should I switch and be a saver and put everything in the mattress? Investors focus on the long term, they ride through the ups and downs. And certainly, we're going to give you some advice here in a second. Um, you need to make sure that you're managing for your risk tolerance and that everything is calibrated for your goals, but it's more of a long-term patient game. Let me give you another quick example before I let Josh and Matt talk. Um, Christmas Eve, we were watching Home Alone. It's the first time my kids saw it. Easton's still the baby, so he was in, in bed, but Carrington and Kuiper are old enough where some of the language didn't bother me much and they weren't too afraid. But remember how big of a movie that was? And I thought, I wonder when that came out. It's 27 years ago. Cool. I wonder what the stock wow. market. I wonder what the stock market was at 27 years ago. Because again, Christmas Eve is terrible day in the market. I'm freaking out. I'm trying to enjoy the movie, <laughs> but struggling <laughs> and sweats and all that stuff. And uh, the market was was. I think I've got this right. 2,500. Hmm. That's the Dow. Yeah. It's now 22,000. Wow, isn't and that amazing it, in 27 it, years? And it was 25,000, 26,000 before this adjustment here. Yeah. And so investors focus on that. And I would, if you're an investor, I'd encourage you to stick to that instead of having identity crisis. Yeah, I think that's really important. What Mike just said uh, goes exactly with what I was going to recommend, which is really just staying the course and continue to uh, work your plan. And And when I say work your plan, is have an investment portfolio that's aligned with your retirement and other financial goals, and then just make sure that that, that portfolio is reviewed periodically and rebalanced and that you're staying on track for the risk that you need to take to achieve your goals. And if you're doing that, then stick to the plan and ride out these ups and downs that the markets are going to bring. Because if you do that, in another 27 years, who knows what the Dow is going to be, right? <laughs> right? Mike just told us what it grew over the last 27 years. Right. You know, after a long period of fantastic growth in the markets, we've, we've had 10 years of rebound since 2008. Sometimes it, it's easy to get off your plan and not even realize it because uh, w what can naturally happen is you begin to take more and more risk because you become more and more comfortable with uh, the stock market's volatility. Most of that volatility was pointed upward until fourth quarter, or really you could say until all of 2018. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to take a step back, um, calmly ask yourself, am I positioned well for the next 10 years, right? Uh, because you're coming into a different phase of life than uh, what you just experienced, and it's important that your investment portfolio will be adjusted to reflect the changing transitions and, and everything that you're going through in life. That is sticking to the plan if you're doing it right, as Matt said. There's a few other things that I, we want to point out to have you consider doing right now if you're not already. But then also Josh talked about phase of life and Matt said for, for what your needs are, what your goals are. Fan of the show, Rick sent in a question about, hey, as you're entering the retirement phase and with the market being volatile, how would you do? We're going to hit that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG Studios, Certified Financial Planners, Joshua Gregory, and for the first time, special guest, Matt Hoke. If you've missed anything, my goodness, we've been talking about exactly what you're thinking about, which is the goal each and every show. Now, we haven't jumped on the hysteria. We haven't been talking about investments every single week. We're talking about your entire financial life. That's what this show is about. It's about financial planning. Investments are a component. Now, they're a meaningful component. I know that. And so we're focusing on what in the world happened in 2018, what caused it, why, and then what's ahead for 2019? What should you do about it? That's right where we're at right now. If you've missed anything, there's several ways that you can catch this entire episode and all previous ones. You can first find it online, wisemoneyradio.com. If you're at work and you're able to work and listen to things at the same time, just there's a player right there. You can you can listen that way. A lot of people watch on YouTube, and you can do that as well. You can subscribe to the channel. Just search Wise Money Radio. Every episode, right when we're about to start recording, we just turn the video camera on, and that's it. So there's a little bonus content during breaks and all that you can listen and watch there as well. And lastly, podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Subscribe to it. You get notified every time a new episode's out. You can listen to every episode that way as well. All right, so we're still into, well, what should you be doing with all that's happened in the stock market and everything that's still uncertain? I mean, we really, even for investors who are long-term, we don't know. You don't know. Is this going to continue down before the trend up? Um, we, we, don't, we don't know. Uh, but if you're long-term, it's prudent to be riding through that. What other tips, what other suggestions? I've got several, but Matt, why don't you kick us off? I think the biggest one we talk about all the time is making sure that you have a diversified portfolio because when you diversify across the various asset classes, you um, you mitigate or lower your risk and improve performance over time. And you're guaranteeing that you're always going to own some losers, but mm -hmm. you're giving yourself the opportunity to own winners also. Can I punctuate that for a second? If you weren't diversified, then you probably wouldn't have had any bonds because you would have said interest rates are on the rise. These bonds are not going to produce anything. Uh, guys, a bad year in bonds is a bad day in the market. The truth is they're low correlated. Bonds and stocks don't tend to move in the same direction. And so it's likely prudent to have those. Also, the best performers in 2017 were the worst performers in 2018 and so it's it is prudent and no one can guess that so it is prudent to stay diversified yeah you know uh at one of our breaks <clears throat> we were having uh, a little bit of banter here and a member of our production team Lindsay, uh mentioned that you know she's early in her career she started investing for retirement long term and everything at a time when the market was only going up and then we get to this year and all of a sudden throws her a complete curveball. And she said, you know what, if if I wasn't working with um, financial advisors all around me, I'm, I might be panicking right now. And some of you listening Actually, might she be. said, I might not be doing this anymore. I uh, might be compelled to say, why am I doing this? I'm just throwing money away. Exactly. Exactly. So 
you know, if if you're listening today and you've only known an up market until this year or 2018, I should say, um, this is exactly the time frame when uh, you make your money, right. right? You make your money on the buy side and uh, stocks have gone on sale. This is one of the best bargain opportunities that we've seen in years. And it's important to recognize that, especially if you are dollar cost averaging, it's a $50 word if there, or phrase if there <laughs> ever was one, uh, but dollar cost averaging means you're steadily trickling money into an investment or into a portfolio through the ups and the downs. Emphasis on the downs though. Staying steady with your contribution pattern is one of the most important things that you could be doing right now and maybe even increasing your contributions during these down periods. That goes completely against what you would want to do emotionally. But let me tell you, you're buying better bargains right now, bargains that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, you know, my, my career started the exact opposite way. It was negative years for the first two and a half years of my career back in the early 2000s. And I only knew negative markets, and yet I kept on contributing. And what's happening during those times is you're accumulating shares of investments that will eventually bounce back. And when they do bounce back, the question is how many shares are bouncing for you? Yeah. That's, that's right, which is why you know I, I, I've said I'm not looking at my statement. I know I'm still in the investing mode, and so I'm buying shares, and I don't need to get upset if they're now on 20% discount. They might be going to 30% discount. That's 40%. Right. I, we don't know. But the truth is, yes, you are buying at a at a discount right now. So so diversify was Matt's first suggestion. Josh just said continue to dollar cost average, continue to drip your investments in. Yeah. So uh, I kind of think of those as two of the three legs. And so the third leg would be having some type of rebalancing strategy. That's right. Yep. And so as you're buying into all of these ups and downs and as different parts of your portfolio are growing or shrinking, you can set your portfolio to automatically rebalance on a quarterly or semi-annual basis so that you can sell the winners and buy into the losers. What Something you won't be doing naturally. You right. won't do that emotionally because it would mean buying more international right now. Right. And so let me buying it when it's that. on sale. So here's how you would implement that. If you're listening today and you are a participant in a retirement plan at work, maybe a 401k or a simple IRA or something, go check out your plan and see if it has that feature that Matt was just referring to, an automatic rebalance. And the more frequent that frequently that you rebalance, the better ultimately. But this is a way to trim back some of the winners and buy the stuff that's on sale naturally within your portfolio. If you're working with a certified financial planner, they should be doing this for you as well. For us, we do it every six months, so it's a semi-annual rebalance. And um, we're gonna be doing that here shortly, I think this upcoming week. So, okay, the last tip I have ties right into a question we got from fan of the show, Rick, and we might not even have enough time to fully answer the question, but the, the last recommendation that I would have is make sure you match your investments with your time frame, and as you get closer to retirement, be sure you're reducing your risk. And so, I would strongly encourage that you always should invest based on your time horizon. And so, here's Rick's question. Rick's from Granger. So, as we draw closer to entering into the retirement income phase of our life, especially with this type of market pullback. Do CDs or annuities begin to make more sense as a portion of our retirement income plan? 
And that's a great question. When I think about these things, I think of them as tools. And all of these different investment options we have are tools. And so what we're really trying to figure out is, are they the right tool for the job? And the way to answer that is to figure out, well, what are you trying to build, first of all, right? Uh, So potentially they could be good tools to use. They could be places where you, uh, with a CD, you're putting some shorter-term money that you really don't want to fluctuate that you might spend in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, with an annuity, it could potentially be something where you know that's your guaranteed money and it's not really going to fluctuate and it allows you to put some other monies into the market that might fluctuate more. Or potentially you use an annuity as some type of an income stream where you say, I'm going to trade these dollars because I don't have a pension. I'm going to trade these dollars and buy myself a pension so that I have a fixed income stream moving forward. So they could be good tools just depending on what it is you're trying to build. That's the one that I like is considering it for an income stream if you're getting close to that retirement phase. I would, I would, and this is not a short-term prediction of the market, but I would, I would resist the temptation to say, well, I need to put it in CDs to try to protect more downside. But I'd make sure your overall investment mix is appropriate for this stage of life. And I'd look at where you're going to get income from. Uh, an annuity, uh, an income annuity can address two of the big three retirement risks, which is longevity and market volatility. So something to consider. One of the other risks is you your own reaction to the emotions of the market swinging. And this is where a financial advisor who's there to help you with the emotions is an important part of your team. The average investor over the past 20 years has earned 2.6% at a time when the stock market over the same time period has earned three times that. And why is that happening? It's because we get in our own way. We react emotionally too often. Maybe CDs would help in your portfolio, Rick, um, but maybe what's even more important is having a guide to uh, help talk you off the ledge if you get emotional about your investments. Great, great question, Rick. And thanks for listening. That is all the time we have for today. Again, if you have questions, reach out to us. We'd love to help. On behalf of Matt Hoke, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial. Wise Money. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.